Super glad to be back with you guys. Missed two Sundays. So if you weren't here the past two Sundays, you got a free pass, because I wasn't here either, right? That's how it works. Traveled all, literally all the way on to the other side of the world, and uh, it's a lot different over there. Everything's on the left side instead of the right. It's weird. I'm just kidding. That's not true. Well, they drove on the one side, but uh, the biggest thing that impacted me is uh, the hope that we were able to be a part of bringing to the other side of the world. There was one nurse that talked about how in their community, uh, stomach issues and diarrhea issues had been completely eradicated because of the clean water uh, that our church was able to contribute to bringing to that community. And in this community where things have been done a certain way for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, they go to a river and they pull out a bucket of water and sometimes they get sick, sometimes they don't. But when we can drop a well in their community with a spigot that they can get clean water out of, it not only brings water to their community, it brings hope for the future and hope that things could be different. And it's such an awesome thing to be a part of. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it today uh, as uh, we go on in the service and uh, in the sermons. But let's pray before we go any further. Dear Jesus, we just thank you so much for all you've done for us, God. We thank you, um, Lord, for our salvation and for heaven uh, that we can look forward to. God, we thank you that when our knees touch the ground, God, that we can touch the sky. We can have that communication with you, God. It's such an amazing thing that often we many times take for granted, God. But I thank you right now we can come to you and we can talk to the creator of the universe. God, I pray, uh, Lord, as we move forward, that we'll be listening for your still small voice uh, on what we should do and where we should move and, and what we should change in our lives. And before uh, the end of this time together, God, I pray that you would change us each in a long and lasting way. In your name we pray. Amen. You might not know this about me, but I am a very awkward person in public, okay? I, I fake it really well, and I put a big smile on my face, but on the inside, like, I don't want to be in a room with people in it. I didn't seek to ever be on a stage, and you might say this isn't the perfect job for you, Phil. Uh, that's exactly what you do. But that's what God does with us, right? When uh, he calls us to do something, he stretches us, and he gives us the tools uh, to be able to accomplish what he's called us to do. Uh, I often feel out of place in public. How many of you feel that way sometimes? How many of you feel that way right now? You're like, oh man, it's a little awkward. Uh, but while in Indonesia, we drove three hours up into the jungle. And it was on what some people would consider roads. Uh, if you think the roads are bad here, and we do have bad roads with potholes. I've seen cars disappear in them. But over there, uh, there's, if there's pavement, you're excited, and it's, it's the opposite. It's all pothole and a little piece of pavement. It's crazy. Uh, but we drove three hours into the jungle, and then I got on the back of a motorcycle and uh, held as tight as I could onto this little guy in front of me, and we drove for three kilometers up a mountain over some bridges that I'm absolutely sure were in the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> it, was, it was sketchy, to say the least. 
And you saw uh, some of what we were able to do there in that village, La Hundelin. Uh, we showed some uh, footage last week of uh, the water celebration that we were uh, able to have there. It was just an amazing, an amazing thing to see kids be so excited to turn on a spigot and to put a cup of water under there and to be able to drink it. And kids were lined up to do what we water our plants with. It's just an amazing thing to see. But what you didn't see from last week and, and what we were able to show is that I was the first person to get in that village. And they dropped me off because that motorcycle was going to go down uh, to pick up some more people. So for about five minutes, I was all alone in this village of about 40, 50 people that were all sitting there. And, and they had never had a, a white person in their village before. Have I mentioned that I often feel out of place, right? <laughs> Have you ever felt that way before? Maybe it was in middle school, or maybe it was at a new job. Maybe uh, it was in a conversation with a bunch of people where everybody's talking about old Jerry, but you don't know Jerry, right? And you feel out of place sometimes, and that's not a good feeling. And as I stood in that village in Indonesia, I put a big smile on my face and I put my hands in my pockets and I tried to no uh, not notice that they were looking at me like I had several heads. <laughs> but has, it ever, has it ever happened to you where being a follower of Jesus has made you feel out of place? Maybe, maybe it's with your coworkers when they talk about what their idea of fun is. Or maybe it's in school as a teacher discusses his opinions on religion. Or maybe it's with your family when you try to explain why you're always up at the church. Sometimes it's hard to feel at home, and sometimes it's hard to feel like we belong here. But luckily for us, we are not the first Jesus followers to ever feel that way. The Bible tells us about uh, how we are strangers in this world, and it says that we're pilgrims and exiles and aliens and sojourners refugees and foreigners in this world. The Old Testament is all about the country of Israel and how it had no homeland, and it was searching for it, and there was a small time where things were going pretty good, but then they got exiled somewhere else, and it was this constant search for home. Even Jesus, he didn't belong here. He didn't fit in here. The Bible says he had nowhere to lay his head. Immigration is a, it's a hot topic right now, and the thing I think we often forget as Christians is that we don't belong here, and that we're all foreigners. In Indonesia, they call foreigners bules, and I often heard that word as I just walked around in different places, oh, bule, 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 and I tried to ignore it and not, not to, you know, they're very welcoming people, but it was clear that I wasn't one of them. But we forget that as Christians, we're all boules in this world. We're all foreigners in this temporary world. In this Batak culture of Indonesia, you don't introduce yourself with your first name. You always introduce yourself with your last name, which they call, and this is how they pronounce it, family name. They say, what's your family name? See, they are all very concerned with where they come from. It's a big deal for them. You know, here in America, we're all about independence, but there they want to be connected. They want to have 
a fabric that connects them. And that family name is what connects them. And each uh, student and each child studies where their home village is. And you'd hear people, we'd be driving with some of these Indonesian people, and they said, that's my, that's my hometown. That's my home village. And it was, it was cool for them, and it connected them. They studied who their ancestors were. And ultimately, they found out who they were. See, 800 years ago, uh, right outside of, of Lake Toba, where we were, there was a man named King Batak. And every single one of the Batak people can trace their ancestry back to him and to his sons. And that's why they have these eight or ten family names. And every one of the Batak people can trace their ancestry back to him and his sons. And it's important to them. One of the water mission people that helped us get around, his name was Jordan. That was his first name, Sanaga. And he was part of the Sanaga family. He was 18th generation Sanaga. And while on that trip, Jordan was constantly finding people with the Sanaga family name. And you could tell when it happened, he'd, he'd go up and hug him. And, and, you know, the rest of us boules over there is like same family name is what happened right there, right? Hey, he just, he just embraced them and it was a connection and it was close. And because of that connection, we were able to get an amazing deal on a charter boat that took us some different places. We were able to get discounts at souvenir shops because he found someone with the same family name. And we even got invited into homes for coffee and meals. And because of his family name, he was invited in. And this huge Sanaga family that is only very distantly related even has a Facebook group where they can go and communicate with each other and they stay connected and even to the point where they can say, hey, I need a ride to the airport and someone will happily jump in and say, hey, I'll take you. Same family name. We're connected. We've, we, we're, we're together. Or you can ask, he said you could even go to the point and say, hey, I'm coming to the city of Jakarta. Does anybody have a place I could stay? And they'll, they'll let people stay with them. They, they don't even know and only are very distantly related to. They're happy to help. With the water mission, this helps their goals immensely because if they can find someone with that same family name, it's so much easier to build trust in that remote village or community. So Deddy from Water Mission said it this way. He says, our family name helps to bring us close. Jordan and Deddy only had to introduce themselves to feel like they had a place and to feel like they fit in. Acts 11.26 says this, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. See, the people of Antioch gave those Jesus followers the name Christian. And in fact, it wasn't really even a compliment. It was more of an insult. They're like, you're like little Christ. That's what the word Christian means, little Christ. You belong to Christ. It's like you're in love with him or something. It was meant as an insult. But it kind of caught on, right? We still call ourselves Christians today. But regardless of where it comes from, we've been given the family name of Christ. And we can trace our name all the way back to a hill called Calvary. And because of the cross, we are brought close. Ephesians 2.12 says, uh, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that amazing? 
You who are once foreigners to God now have been brought close by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the Bible calls us strangers and pilgrims and sojourners, foreigners. Why? Because we don't belong here, but we do have a homeland. We don't belong here, but we do have a homeland. Hebrews 13, 14 says this. It says, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Hey, here we don't have a place that we fit in, but we're going to a place where we belong, where we are connected. So where is that city? Hebrews eleven six says it this way. It says, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. See, we, do, we don't have a hometown here on this earth, but we do have a hometown in this next life as Christians, as people that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. See, we don't belong here. We're out of place, but we do have a homeland, a place where we fit in. Philippians 3.20 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where we fit in. We might not fit in here, but we do fit in somewhere. And people may stare at us here like we have several heads, but we have a different culture. We have a different values. We have different goals and different expectations. Why? Because our family name is different. And God has caused us to be born again into a living hope for another world and a greater kind of existence. We saw Demas fell in love with this present world, and we remember that we're not supposed to be conformed to this world. 1 John 2.17, John said this, that this world is passing away and its desires, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. We don't belong here, but we do have a homeland. Levi Lusco, in his book, Through the Eyes of a Lion, he talks about a quote from a Roman writer, Juvenal, in AD 100. And the writer used this phrase, panem et circenses. And that phrase means bread and circuses. And here's the quote. It says, for the people who once upon a time handed out military command and high civil office, legions, everything now restrains itself and anxiously hopes for just two things, bread and circuses. The writer was describing the way the people of the Roman Empire had been tricked into giving up their freedom as citizens belonging to what once was a republic. They allowed the emperors to take away their power to vote, their power to elect governors, and their power to govern themselves. See, these priceless things had been purchased on the cheap. All it had taken was grain and games, food and entertainment, bread and circuses. 
See, as many as 135 days out of the year were dedicated to the games, gladiator matches, chariot races, beast hunts with these exotic animals. The emperors had found that as long as the people weren't hungry and they weren't bored, their freedom could be stolen. Free food and entertainment acted as an anesthetic. The people were so distracted they couldn't see their liberty was being taken. And this is what Levi Lusco says. The devil is all over bread and circuses. It's his favorite. He wants you to give up what Christ died for you to have. And he knows that if he can distract you, he can destroy you. We cannot fall in love with the bread and circuses of this world. See, life is more than who's in the Super Bowl and what celebrity just got engaged and how the stock market is doing. What's the latest fall fashion, the newest iPhone, the last, the last Avenger movie? Matthew 6, 25 says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, you were meant to live for so much more. You don't belong here. But you do have a homeland. And as a Christian, you live here, but heaven is your home country. If you put your faith in Christ, this world is no longer your home. You live here, but you're not of it. You're just passing through. See, the problem is, is we get so comfortable here. And the pull of this world is so constant and so distracting but here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. E.M. Bounds said this. He says, heaven ought to draw us and engage us. Heaven ought to so fill our hearts and hands, our manner and our conversation, our character and our features, that we would all see that we are foreigners and strangers to this world. The very atmosphere of the world should be chilling to us and noxious. It's sun eclipsed and companionship dull and insipid. Why? Because heaven is our native land and a home to us. And death to us is not the dying hour, but the birthing hour. We don't belong here but we do have a homeland. We're just boules in this world, but we do have a family name, the name that is higher than any other name, the name of Jesus, and we are connected and we are brought close by the name of Jesus Christ. And because of that closeness here in this life, we ought to look for better ways to serve each other and to welcome each other in. Someone said it this way, our first and our primary citizenship is in heaven, not the United States. Our first and primary constitution is the Bible, not the U.S. Constitution. Our first and primary king and commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ and not the president. And the dominant cravings of our heart are not the treasures and tributes of this world, but for the kingdom of God. Let's all stand to our feet and bow our heads as the band comes. This is a time for you to search your heart. Where have you placed your home? Where do you consider your hometown? 
As Christians, we don't belong here, but we do have a homeland. We were once strangers to God, but as Christians, we're now part of God's family. Our family name helps to bring us close. With every head's bowed and eyes closed. Imagine what would happen if each of us didn't let the bread and circuses of this world to cloud our purpose. What would it look like if we as Christians really lived like we don't belong here? Hey, look, it's okay to feel like you don't fit in because we seek a city that is to come. We've got different goals. We've got different expectations. We live for a greater purpose. What if heaven really did fill our hearts and hands? Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know if you really do belong to that uh, family of God. You don't know if you really do have that family name. You can get that settled today once and for all. See, the Bible tells us that we're all sinners. Because of that sin, we're separated from God. And that's a problem. God can't fellowship with sin and he can't be around sin. And because of our lies and our, our wicked thoughts, wicked ways, we're separated from God. But God came to us. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, born on this earth and walked on this earth for 33 years, living a perfect and a holy life so that an innocent person could lay down his life for all of us guilty people. He took our place. And the Bible tells us that God commended his love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the Bible says, it's not a bunch of hoops you need to jump through, not a bunch of deeds you need to do to build that relationship back up with God. No, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to know that you're a sinner. You've got to know you have a problem before it can be fixed. You got to know the answer to that problem is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And then you got to accept the answer. You could call out to God right now with something like this. Words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. This is about your, the posture of your heart to, to God. But you could call out to God with something like this right now. Dear Jesus, God, I know I'm a sinner. And God, I know... Because of my sin, I deserve hell. God, forgive me. God, I'm turning away from all of that. I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning to you. I put my faith in what you did on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If every head's bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around, I'm not going to come to you or try and bring you on the stage or anything like that. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. If you made that decision today, that's the biggest decision you can make in your entire life. And I want to pray for you on this new journey that you just stepped into. That's you today. You say, that's me, Pastor Phil. I made that decision for the first time, or maybe just the first time I really understood it. You slip your hand up right now. No one else is looking around. Amen. 
Dear Jesus, we love you, God, and we thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. God, I pray as we continue in this time of meditation, God, in this searching of our heart, God, that you would continue to move, God. Lord, help us not to get hard and cold and dead inside. God, help us to remember where we fit in and where we belong and that we seek a city that is to come. In your name we pray, amen.